Whatever people said, I said, I will own it. And I've been in this city my entire life. And if there's one thing about me, is I am authentic. Hello and welcome to another edition of Seattle Nice. I'm David Hyde. And today we're talking about uh, Seattle Mayor Bruce Harrell and specifically some of the critical comments that Harrell made behind closed doors to police that got leaked. It's kind of a, a mini scandal here for Seattle. And with us is always editor and publisher of Publicola, the authentic Erica C. Barnett. <laughs> Hello. Uh, and if there's anything you can say about him, he too is authentic. Political consultant Sandeep Kaushik. Hello. It's good to be back, by the way, after a, after a significant hiatus, right? As David, you were gallivanting about over uh, all over the country, it sounds like. I'm sorry that it, for folks that missed it, but we came back with a real doozy, hopefully, this week with, um, what, what do you want to call this thing? Every scandal has to have a gate associated with it. Uh, authenticity gate? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, yeah. I'm terrible at this, obviously. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so basically, yeah. Harold told police officers a number of things behind closed doors that the King County Regional Homelessness Authority is doing a crappy job. Uh, that ultimately nobody has a right to sleep in public spaces. Um, but we've, but before we get into some of the substance, uh, he also said that city council members are inexperienced, or some city council members are inexperienced. And I was wondering, who was Harold talking about, and what does he mean by that? I mean, first of all, I think he was talking out his ass a little bit um, through through the entire uh, conversation that he was having at this roll call with the police. Um, but, you know, I think if, if you had to nail him down, he'd say um, he's talking about uh, probably Andrew Lewis, um, who's up for seven of the council members actually are up for election last next year. Um, Dan Strauss in District 6. Harold certainly gunning for um, some members of the city council that um, he feels are pushing back on him. But, Sarah um, Nelson is is uh, is new as well, but I don't think he was talking about. Well, her. this is the yeah. this is the funny thing, right? I mean, none of these folks are particularly inexperienced, including Sarah Nelson, including Alex Peterson, including basically everybody on the city council has some connection to the council, you know, except for, uh, you know, I guess Harold's former opponent Tammy Morales, who almost beat him, um, and uh, then he did chose not to run again, and she uh, won in District Two, that which he used to represent. So, you know, I think he's I think he's gunning for a lot of the members of city council who are going to be up for uh, for re-election next year and who he feels like, you know, are not being sufficiently, uh, you know, uh, deferent to him. Yeah. I, I, first of all, I would say that he's using the term inexperienced, I think, as a safe way to land some criticisms against council members. He really wants to say are just going to, uh, you know, he finds difficult or ideologically, you know, too far left, essentially, is what he's saying. Um, I think, uh, uh, you know, uh, beneath the surface and and sort of citing level of experience is just a kind of, you know, softer way to sort to to land that criticism rather than, uh, you know, we know that the mayor has has always been reluctant to kind of define himself ideologically, right? He uh, the, the, when you listen to the mayor talk. Uh, you know, he really wants to be inclusive. He has this whole rhetoric about one Seattle, about spreading love to the city, about uniting the city. And that includes, I think, in his mind, you know, you know, kind of uniting the ideological divides in the city between left and left center. So I don't think he's clearly a left center 
politician and he won running in a left center lane, but rhetorically, I don't think he wants to um, uh, define himself that way. And so he doesn't want to make an ideological attack against the council member. So he uses this inexperienced thing, but I think it's, it, it, it's really a way of, of hiding what he's really unhappy about. So one of the biggest kind of bombshells to come out of Harold's mouth was this statement, no one has a right to sleep in a public space or something like that. What was Harold trying to say there? And what do you think? The audience he was talking to was a bunch of cops. He's trying to sound sort of tough and tough on crime and tough on homelessness. And so, um, you know, the fact is, I mean, when, when you say nobody has a right to, to sleep in public space, I mean, factually, that is that is not correct. Um, there is a court ruling that says that, you know, people have a right to sleep if they don't have anywhere else to go. Um, Martin B. Boise. And uh, so I think Harold is aware of that decision, or at least he was very aware of it um, by the following day when he was kind of walking back his comments and he cited it a whole bunch of times. But, you know, I mean, overall, I think it speaks to his his genuine belief that, you know, nobody should be sleeping in public spaces. And this is his city. And he when he walks around, he shouldn't have to see people, you know, sleeping in doorways and sleeping in tents and things like that. I mean, he made comments to this effect the next day saying, you know, uh, look at these kids here in the playground. They don't know what a syringe is. And, you know, I think he has this very um, this idea of Seattle that, you know, is based in maybe the Seattle of 40, 50 years ago, um, that it's supposed to be a certain way. And he looks around and he sees it um, not looking the way he imagines it. And it, you know, it makes him mad. But I also think, you know, he's talking to a bunch of cops. And again, I mean, I I call these comments very macho. Um, I think throughout they were super macho comments about, you know, bringing the city under control. And, you know, and I think this is this is a problem for Harold because he does tend to speak differently in front of different audiences. And I think this was a great example of that, you know, obviously getting caught on tape. Um, and, uh, and I mean, there'll definitely be some political fallout from that. Well, look, I, you know, I, I, I don't know that the mayor's position on homelessness and encampments and encampment cleanups or sweeps or whatever you want to call them is that big of a surprise, right? I mean, his administration is doing a lot of encampment cleanups. Eric has been writing uh, uh, about that. And I think the mayor, it's pretty clear all along from the campaign and, and over his first year in office, has been pretty sensitive to the, to the attacks and the criticism he gets from the, from the left, where, you know, they're basically want to sort of denounce him as a, as a, you know, heartless, sweep, happy ogre who has no he compassion. He gets criticism from a lot more than just the left, <laughs> uh, by the way, Sunday. Yeah. And, and guess what? Like his position on encampments and cleanups is overwhelmingly popular in the city of Seattle. And it's why he got elected mayor, right? I mean, Lorena Gonzalez ran a campaign entirely geared to the Twitter left, as we've talked about in, in past episodes, where she basically said, I'm never going to clean up an encampment again. And Bruce Harrell, as, as I said before, he doesn't like to draw sharp ideological lines rhetorically, but everyone understood what his position was on, on encampments and cleanups. And, uh, and, you know, as it turned out, that was the strong majority position. I think if anything, it's even a stronger majority. I, I gotta position push, now. I gotta push back yeah. on that. I mean, Harrell never said during the campaign, no one has a right to sleep in a public space. Not one time did I hear those words. And and you can make your your sort of hand waving comments about how he doesn't like to draw ideological distinctions. But is that well, really what he even right. thinks? Again, I, he he thought that was a he thought he was speaking in a private setting. Right. What I'm saying is 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 that in, what he really public thinks? Public comment. I, I, look, I, I, right. I, I'm reminded of the famous 
you know, Michael Kinsley line, right, is that a gaffe is – the actual definition of a gaffe is when a politician ac- accidentally tells the truth, right? And, and, uh, uh, and I think that that sort of definition of a gaffe is sort of applicable here. I actually think what he said, the substance of what he said, the criticisms – Criticisms that he made of uh, what's going on in terms of homelessness and encampments and, you know, disorder on the streets and needles and uh, and um, all of that stuff. I actually think none of that thing hurts him with the public. I actually think that helps him with the public. I think in terms of the inside game that he has to play where he's got to work with folks like the Regional Homelessness Authority and uh, the city council and other sort of, you know, institutions, I do think his comments were 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 um, a, a real problem for him on that but, front. But Sunny, and he had some Sunny, cleanup to this do. Is, but, yeah. This is where you and I just differ so strongly because I care about policy and you care about polls. Well, and but, but when but, you're talking, yeah. hold on, let me finish, yeah. let me finish. When you're talking about an inside game, um, that is the game. Uh, working with the city council, working with regional players, working with the King County Regional Homelessness Authority, that is the game, quote unquote, to me. I mean, if you were going to get elected mayor, you know, I don't care, you know, what the poll says eight months in, you still got to run, you still got to run the city or, or run the executive departments for four years. And if you can't, if you're going to alienate all of your partners, including the city council, who you have to get along with to some extent, um, they can veto your budget. You know, we've seen for what happened four years through four years of Durkin, where the council and the mayor were at odds. You know, you can't just go around saying shit like this well, and um, and expect there to be no ramifications. I don't care what the polls say eight months <laughs> into his term. Right. I mean, I really don't because yeah. because that's not going to matter until he's up for reelection. Yeah. So well, talk to me in it, three it, years. It, but policy it, actually matters in the meantime. And and to me, I mean, that, that is just. You know, I mean, this isn't a game to me. This is a matter of policy. Right. It's a matter and, and, of what do we actually do to help people on the streets? And I don't think saying stuff like nobody has a right to sleep, you know, is uh, is going to uh, be a recipe for good policy making. Right. And I don't think that was meant, as, as you said, that was a little blustery. You know, it's the mayor talking in a private setting. To a bunch of cops, it was a little macho, right? I mean, maybe, there's no such strong. thing as a private setting either. Everybody well, well, I agree with that, and I think in that, their pocket, I totally agree with that, and I think there's a lesson here for the mayor that that you know he can't expect to go around in these kind of uh, meetings where there are all these attendees and say stuff, um, you know, that is that is pretty um, blunt. Uh, yeah, you know who didn't say dumb shit at uh, police roll calls is Jenny Durkin. You know, not a great mayor, but, right, of, but, but, but at but, least but, was aware that there's no such thing as a private meeting but, with hundreds but, of but, cops. But I will also push back on your point that the idea that this has sort of fundamentally severed or his relationship with the city council or created some terrible roof. Look at how the city council members are responding to this, right? They're all kind of playing nice and saying, oh, no big deal or not commenting or – you know why? Because – they're weak right now politically. Um, and, and, and the polling does matter because they're going into their, as you said, seven of them are for reelection right around the corner. You know, next year, um, they're all up. There's a lot of voter frustration over issues like crime and homelessness, uh, that has not abated, um, since the elections last year. I also want to ask about the King County Homelessness Authority. I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but essentially, Harold seems to be saying they're doing a crappy job of uh, addressing the problem that the city is not making enough progress on homelessness, and he's frustrated by that. How do you interpret, or, or maybe you have a better sense of what he said, and, and how do you interpret what he said? 
Yeah, I mean, this this is interesting. So he, I mean, and, and I think this this actually speaks a lot to um, the mayor's kind of personality and his way. I mean, he talked like this on the campaign trail, too. He seemed most mad. And we don't have the whole recording. Um, we just have what uh, KTTH published. But he seemed mad that KCRHA was not doing enough sweeps. I mean, they don't do sweeps. Um, and, uh, and that, that he, he said, I'm funding them 70% over 118 million and I have no control over them. I'm one of nine on the board. And he's talking about the governing board of the authority. And I mean, I just, I think that, you know, yeah, that's, that, that is true. He doesn't have any control over them and he seems pissed about that, but that's, that's the situation, right? Um, so I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think that, uh, Underlying this is the fact that Harold does not, um, you know, fundamentally think the KCRHA is is doing much. I think he wonders why they exist, um, which is a legitimate uh, question, I think. And um, and yeah, he's frustrated that all this money is going to them and he's not seeing, you know, uh, visible improvements on the streets. Um, you know, I mean, they're in a, it's a catch 22 because they actually do need more money to make a visible improvement on the street. But uh, the city of Seattle does fund, you know, more than half of uh, the, the KCRHA and uh, the city can't really fund it any more than we already are in this budget climate. So. Um, you know, I think there was a grain of a legitimate, um, a legitimate complaint there, uh, but he framed it in these kind of personal terms, like this is my city and I'm funding them personally and they're talking bad about me. Right. And I, I, I don't think that's helpful. Right. I mean, he didn't just say, I think they're, they're ineffective or they're not delivering results. So cl- clearly that frustration was there. He's also saying they're opposing me and my policies and, you know, I can't clean up encampments without the damn RHA, you know, complaining about it or, you know, he didn't use exactly those terms, but that, that he basically said that. I mean, look, I, I, it's interesting because he's not the only person that's frustrated with the lack of control at the city that's frustrated with the lack of control over, um, over the RHA and what it does. I've heard that complaint from city council members as well. And we've seen, um, some public spats, uh, in recent months. Uh, previous months about things like tiny homes and whether we're going to build them where the, where Mark Dones, the head of the RHA has expressed, um, uh, his, uh, his dislike, um, uh, and reluctance to kind of invest resources in building tiny homes. Whereas you have council members like Andrew Lewis or former council members like Sally Bagshaw and others, um, uh, folks in the community, provider community like, like Lehigh. That are saying, no, 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 let's build a lot of tiny homes. This is a good way to get people out of encampments quickly, uh, out of problem encampments and into some kind of quote unquote temporary shelter, but better than much, much better than mats on a floor sort of congregate shelter settings. And so that, that dispute has definitely generated some frustrations over at the council as well about. Why are we giving all our money to these people who don't want to then spend it on the stuff that we think is important to address homelessness, right? I mean, that, that's been a, uh, I mean, not to, <laughs> not to go down a rabbit hole, but, uh, but very briefly to go down a rabbit hole, the city council voted, including Sally Bagshaw, eight to one. Uh, to approve this structure of this authority where the city is funding most of it. And guess who the one lone no vote was? It was Lorena Gonzalez. And this was the specific reason that she brought up was, you know, we have all these suburban cities that have absolutely no buy-in, but they have some control and we're giving them all the money. 
and you know we're giving them all these but we're giving suburban cities votes and authority but uh, they got no skin in the game so sally bagshaw voted for that um as did eight other members or seven other members of the council i think that's a so fair this I is think why that, we're in this situation the I, council I, voted for it the mayor supported it i was obviously not a lorena fan uh when she ran for mayor or you know some of the things she did while she was at the council but i'll give her credit for that i think that's a very fair criticism <laughs> i mean you know uh, uh it, it's true that most of the suburban cities have not wanted to play in the RHA. It's been a problem from the, from the get go that they're like, this is a plot to basically export homelessness from Seattle to us. And we're not going to, you know, we're not going to sign up for that. Right. Is sort of the attitude that, that, that we've heard coming out of the, um, many of the 38 other incorporated cities in King County. And so, um, and so it's really the, the RHA really only has two funders, Erica, as you pointed out, it's the city and the county. You know, and about a 70-30 split between city and county. And so um, the RHA is supposed to be an independent entity, but it doesn't have an independent funding source. It's dependent for all of its money on these two other governments. Uh, and that creates a kind of structural – some of these structural problems that lead to the sort of frustrations we heard from the mayor, we've heard from the council, we've heard frustrations from the RHA about them well, not getting I- stuff funded, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I and I actually think I mean, this is this is what you know, when when Harold expresses himself, you know, I think that one of the problems with um, with the way he talks off the cuff is that he comes across as very thin skinned and he um, he reverts to talking points in a way that I think actually is not all that useful or helpful. But I think that his point, his underlying point there is basically like, look, you know, we've created this bifurcated, bifurcated, bifurcated like situation where we have all these different silos um, dealing with homelessness. I mean, the city is still responsible for encampment cleanups or sweeps um, and, you know, a lot of other stuff related to homelessness. But there's also this authority out there that, you know, doesn't have very many staffers, isn't particularly, you know, well-funded and um, and they have all this control as well. So, I mean, it there's there are like real structural problems that the city set itself up for and that the county set itself up for. And now it's coming home to roost. And, you know, and I, I, I actually totally understand the underlying frustration. I just think that putting it in personal terms, like, you know, Mark Dones is working against me and KCRHA is, you know, is out to get me, um, you know, really muddies the issue and just kind of makes it into this petty, this petty personality dispute, um, which it isn't. I mean, it's ultimately a really big structural problem that we've created for ourselves. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I mostly agree with that. I mean, I, I you know, I, I, I do think it, it, we've known that the personal relationship between the mayor and Mark Dones has been seemingly been, you know, somewhat strained for a while. And, and when Mark Dones uh, and RHA rolled out their budget proposal, where Erica, you mentioned earlier that they want to double you know, their, their current budget. Uh, and certainly the need is there. As you say, if you want to make progress, it's going to take resources. I 100% agree with that. But, uh, that did not land well either with the mayor or with, um, the King County executive, right? And they felt like it was an excessive request and that they were being blindsided by this huge, uh, proposed increase. And, and there was a very, you know, it's public in a meeting where, um, uh, you know, the, the mayor and the and Dow Constantine, the, the exec, seemed pretty displeased uh, with with Mark and his budget proposal a few months ago, and so so this is a and going back to the the mayor's sort of personal comments about you know RHA is working as me. 
there was a particular issue around an encampment on Fourth Avenue, right across from City Hall, um, right by the big hole in the ground that's never, you know, that they're supposed to build something there that they've never been able to, to get off the ground. And, um, and that encampment finally got cleaned up. And at the time, Mark public, you know, came out publicly saying he didn't support that cleanup. And I, I don't think that landed well, um, with the mayor at the time. And I think that's a, a, a source of tension and, you know, personal tension between them. That's probably lingered on. Um, we know it was the police that leaked this, but, but any insight into why would the police do this? Are they trying to embarrass Harold? Cause that seems to have been the main result of it, but presumably that that's not what the, the cops were trying to do here. So what do you think? I wouldn't say presumably. I mean, I, you know, I, we don't know who leaked it. I mean, if you're at a roll call with hundreds of people, um, you know, the cops leak to, um, to conservative, uh, radio hosts all the time. Um, so, you know, you should be aware of that if you were mayor of the city, right? But, uh, you know, I I do think that some of the some of the comments that uh, that we haven't talked about that the mayor made, um, you know, sort of trashing uh, trashing lead, um, which is a, a law enforcement assisted diversion. It's a program that you know has always worked with the cops, um, and you know, and sort of again, like I said, just kind of this macho um, almost posturing, like I'm talking to the cops, I'm gonna I'm gonna be real and be tough. Um, you know, I. Again, I don't do I have any real insight into this? No, I do not, because I don't know who leaked it. But um, I can see that um, that might have come across as a little bit um, condescending or, you know, or, or just a little obvious. Um, and so, you know, and, and like I said, I mean, the cops work with lead. They work with some of these programs. And I don't know that every single, you know, police officer in the city of Seattle wants to see um you know, successful programs that are actually working and that, you know, are not antagonistic to the police like lead, um, you know, being denigrated or disbanded. Yeah. I have no idea. I, I got to say, I have no idea whether it was some individual cop who decided it was a good idea to, to, you know, it sounds like they taped the, the, the mayor and then, and then leaked it to Jason Rance over at KTTH or whether it was Spog itself that, that sort of did it deliberately. I, I don't know. I will say, I don't think, Spog and the and the cops have been particularly astute politically <laughs> about how they they sort of conduct themselves in the context of you know uh, a, a progressive city like like Seattle and I don't think this leak was helpful to them I I would imagine the mayor is now probably thinking that there are cops who are working against him or trying to embarrass him or, you know, and, and, and so that obviously probably damages his relationship. I could see the thought process being, because the other thing that the mayor said is that he thinks the consent decree should be gone, right? That it's, that it's past time that we should be uh, out from under the, the, the justice department's consent decree over and control over or or monitoring of the Seattle police department. So I could see how somebody might think, uh, you know, on the cop side, yeah, let's surface that and really put these strong comments on the record. That helps us, you know, it, it locks the mayor into that position, but I don't actually think it was a politically good move for them to, to, you know, essentially, I, I probably on the seventh floor, I think they see it as an attempt to embarrass the mayor or to complicate his his, his life. And I, I you know, I, I I'd have, if I was them, I'd probably be a little tweaked at SVD, you know, at the rank and file or, or Spog or whoever, you know, they think they think put this out there. 
But what was what was so interesting the following day when he was responding to this, he had a um, a press conference about the parks district. And then, of course, nobody asked about the parks district. This is the only thing any reporter at this event wanted to talk about. You know, I would say I mean, and I, and I wrote this, I think he doubled down. You know, he said, look, that's just the authentic me. And, you know, that's just how I talk and I'm just real. And, you know, and he talked a bunch about, you know, sports and, you know, he kept kind of making sports references and sports jokes. And I'm just I'm just, you know, from here and that's how I talk. Um, I think that um, I mean, I don't know. Sandeep will probably disagree with me. I think that that um, came across very strangely um, to just sort of not not walk back anything he said, um, not show any humility about anything, um, including comments, you know, that that caused him political pushback, you know, behind the scenes um, it, after this report came out. You know, I mean, he was on the phone kind of doing a little uh, um, apology tour <laughs> with uh, with with insiders that, you know, were he insulted uh, or who felt insulted by these comments or that he thought he might have insulted. Uh, but in public, you know, he was kind of all bluster. And um, I was uh, watching his um, his comms person. And uh, it, it seemed to me, and again, I'm not inside anybody's thought process, but it seemed to me that he was growing just a little bit grayer over the course <laughs> of the press conference. Well, first of all, I, obviously, we, we know that the, the, the day after the mayor did spend the afternoon making calls to various folks. And I, I think that the mayor's office would push back on your characterization of them as apology calls. I think it was I, uh, what I heard was very specifically the mayor was not Making apology calls, right? Yeah, they I were cleanup calls, right? Right. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> cleanup calls is right. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I think I called it an apology tour, but I think it's yeah. more, you know, if you were offended, here's what I meant. Kind yeah, of, kind of calls. yeah, and and you know, and and including people calling people like Lisa Dugard, you know, because he had criticized lead and and uh, um, and you know, I, I will say, I think, I think that it's an indication of the mayor's current political strength that. You know, some of the people that might have been offended aren't sort of politically stepping out and calling him out over these comments. They've mostly been either quiet or said conciliatory things. Um, uh, and you know, and, and while he very much did not walk back his comments, as you say at the press conference, I think he's also said some conciliatory things about, you know, it, it doesn't look like he's really going to push to, completely defund the regional authority. He said he's going to have a budget proposal and they're doing lots of good things and he's going to, you know, you'll see him wanting to fund, you know, important initiatives and blah, 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 blah. Right. So, so he wasn't apologizing, but he was being a, a more conciliatory, right. In some of his, his comments. Yeah. I mean, and this is, this is kind of like the, the thing with bluster is, you know, there's only so much you can do at the city. Um, he can't disband the authority. He's not going to propose defunding it. Um, you know, I mean, what's what's most likely to happen is uh, they're facing a budget crisis at the city right now, or at least, a, a, you know, a budget concerns. Um, I think we might see a similar or slightly, uh, slightly smaller, but probably similar uh, proposal uh, in terms of uh, f- funding the KCRHA this year. I mean, they're looking at budget cuts. Uh, so it's not like it's not like Mark Jones and the KCRHA are going to get the 
you know, the tens of millions of dollars they asked for. And and Harold has expressed his annoyance with that uh, proposal many times publicly yeah, in the right. past. They're not getting their budget doubled. <laughs> That's not happening. Like, like, I mean, and, and, and frankly, like, you know, I mean, they're talking about, and I can see this, this perspective too. I mean, they're talking about tens of millions of dollars for totally new programs that they haven't, you know, even started on yet, right? And they have all these programs that are just getting underway that were funded last year and the city, you know, has no results yet. So I think it's, it's you know, there it is a reasonable perspective to say we don't have a lot of money now and we're going to wait and see, you know, how all these programs we already are funding um, actually perform before, you know, funding a whole bunch of new stuff. I agree. I agree with you on that. I, you know, I, I, I had a, a conversation with Mark Dones a couple of months ago um, uh, and and, you know, remember back at the at the kind of launch of the RHA and 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 uh, with the with the mayoral, uh, the new mayoral administration coming in, the marker that the RHA has put down is that they are going to concentrate on downtown and that, that they are going to end encampments and visible homelessness downtown. And in the conversation I had with Mark um, not that long ago, I, I think that intent and that commitment is still there. But it is very much, you know, they're just getting stuff stood up. They're bringing on these kind of, you know, peer navigators and the, the outreach folks and getting the kind of structure set up. And so I don't think it's crazy to say, OK, guys, all right, get your stuff set up, get your house in order and deliver some results for us. And if you show us that you've got the right approach, which I think Mark feels like they do have a a a a, a good strategy and a good approach and they can demonstrate results downtown, then all right, demonstrate the results and then let's have a conversation about how to expand that, right? I mean, I don't think that's... Well, I mean, I am skeptical that the authority can achieve, you know, massive results without a lot more funding. But I, you know, while I'm also sympathetic to the fact that the city doesn't have hundreds of millions of dollars, again, it's the structure of the authority that is, you know, that is sort of uh, fundamentally fucked in some ways. Yeah. Well, this because, is where I... I... Uh, because they don't have any taxing authority. So they, can, if they want to raise money, they, they literally are barred from doing so by the law that everybody agreed on. So, uh, you know, that is, that's a, just like a structural problem that Mark walked into and yeah. that, you know, we as a city walked into well, this is where and now I, we're where complaining I, about it. Where, I, you know, I gave, you know, my two cents to Mark was, um, you know, when, when, when I, I understand Mark's criticisms of things like tiny homes, that, that these are not an answer, right? This is not housing. Um, this is not an answer. But I, but my take on this, I told Mark for what it's worth, is look, if you really want to make progress and demonstrate progress and really get downtown cleaned up, you're going to need some, some short-term bridge solutions, right? If you can get people out of encampments downtown and into tiny homes, now, a year from now, once you've demonstrated real progress, you can probably come back and maybe even go to the voters and ask them for more resources. And they're going to be much more receptive to that if they feel like you're on the right track, right? Right now, they're just kind of mad and frustrated about the situation on the ground and on the streets. And, you know, they might not be so, so thrilled about requests for, you know, doubling our budget or whatever, you know? And so, so, my argument is these things aren't mutually exclusive. I think you probably need a tiny home strategy and a kind of enhanced shelter strategy in order to get to, as the predicate, to get to the increased funding that you and I, Erica, both agree that, that, the, that the system needs if it's going to make real demonstrable long-term progress. That seems like a heartwarming place to end with 
rare agreement between Sandeep Kaushik, Erica C. Barnett. I'm David Hyde. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Seattle Nice, to donating to Seattle Nice at Patreon, and contacting us, direct messaging us at Twitter. It's Real Seattle Nice at Twitter. Again, thanks, everybody, so much for listening. Thank you.